The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is a fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come Shelter from the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm. We are facing the end 
of this world. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Day by day, the news tells us that we are approaching a nuclear holocaust. Day by day, we are told by the news that our economy is contracting and will soon collapse into a new world order. Day by day, we read the stories of storms, hurricanes, tornadoes, volcanoes, earthquakes. Day by day, we hear of the violence, the murders, the abortions. Day by day, we hear the stories of violence in our streets, of robberies and murders and rapes. We look back in history and we find very significant indicators. Noah came and for 200 years preached that the world was about to come to an end and no one paid him any attention until the rain began to fall. And then I'm sure they beat on the sides of the ark, pleading to be allowed in, but it was too late. They had continued to live their normal life of violence and wickedness, ignoring the commands of God, utterly disrespecting the God of heaven. And then we find Sodom and Gomorrah. The cry of their evil went up into the heavens. And the Lord God of heaven finally said, Enough. I'm going to destroy and burn with with fire, brimstone and fire, Sodom and Gomorrah. And the whole valley. You can go to that valley as I have, and there it is before you, scorched and burned totally. God destroyed it. We're told in the New Testament that this was a a sign to us that God would one day also destroy the world. And now the four horses of the apocalypse have begun to gallop across the land. And we're now ready for a reset. The total destruction of our economy. It has been deliberate by our governmental leaders. They are not for us. They are enemies of godly people. It pains me to to even say such things. But I watch... I listen. I believe my eyes and my ears. I'm not blind. I see the destruction of this world rushing upon us. Why? Well, there are two primary sins that are causing God to take the action that he is taking. We find in Jeremiah, the second chapter, these terse words, my people have committed Two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. America today has utterly cast the God of heaven aside, and we have created our own gods. Now, because we have, as a nation, cast aside the God of heaven, we cast him out of our schools no longer allowed to pray, no longer allowed to speak about the scriptures. God is being cast utterly out of our culture. Now the problem is that our worship of the living God of heaven held at bay the demonic spirits of the ancient world. But now they have come and found that we are empty 
and they are moving in. Some of you, mom and dad, let me be straight. You gave your children Harry Potter. You've taken your children to the movies. You have taught them that witchcraft is a good thing. You've taught them to worship nature. You've taught them to have an institutional relationship with Jesus, not a real one. And so you took them to all of the sports, and you took them to the dance, and you took them to all of the things of the world. You didn't train your children up in righteousness, in holiness, because you were not righteous or holy. You did your own thing. You went where you wanted to go. You did what you wanted to do. You cast aside the living God of heaven. You spend hours in front of the television, hours playing video games, hours immersed in a wicked culture. And so God got the message. He pulled back. He left America. We covered over it with movies and with imaginary things and with Marvel characters and with superheroes. We left the living God of heaven. And number two, and dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So we left the God of heaven and we created our own imaginary reality, thinking that it was all about gaining financial security. It was all about enjoying life. It was all about the movies and the television and the internet, the cell phones. I recommended to a couple who were having marital difficulties, that they turn off all of their social media and that they focus on getting back to basics with God and begin to establish a marriage based on reality, not on imagination. They were much offended, much offended. We have dug our own cisterns. You know what a cistern is. As a kid, I lived in a home where there was no running water. We had instead in the basement, in the bottom, dug under the house, a cistern, a cement box, a large one that would hold water. Dad would go down to the railroad station in Bosler, and he would get a load of water for us once a week. And he'd bring it back and pour it in the cistern. Tasted awful. But it's all we had. Today it tastes awful in America. But we have become accustomed to wickedness. And so the Lord looks and he says, okay. Okay. Listen, Jeremiah 2, how can you say I'm not defiled? I've not run after the the Baals. Well, who's the Baal? Well, he's the prosperity God. He's the money God. Have you run after the money God and established your own righteousness? And then if we look... Chapter 3. Return, faithless people, verse 14, declares the Lord, for I'm your husband. Return to me. Jeremiah 6. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed. They cannot hear. 
The word of the Lord is offensive to them, and they find no pleasure in it. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord, and I cannot hold it in. My heart is so enraged by preachers, Presbyterian preachers, Anglican preachers, Baptist preachers, and many others, assemblies of God, all teaching that Jesus forgave all past, present, and future sins at the cross, and that if you accept Jesus and say, I repent of my sins, I'm good to go. No, you're not. You're hell-bound. You have to leave that sin. It makes me angry because these pleasant, effeminate preachers who stand before God and before their congregations and with articulate words paint a picture of God's great love for you, unconditional love, All we need to do, pastor, is preach love, love, love. No, God's wrath is burning against this nation. We are about to be cast away, and the whole world is going to be destroyed, and we are going to face the judgment bar of God. People tune in, and they they listen to this, and then they tune it out and run. They don't want to hear it. This broadcast should have a million viewers, but it doesn't. People don't want to hear it. It's not me. It's the word that I bring to you. The word that is repent. Turn away from your American lifestyle. Seek after God with all of your heart. And by the way, in just a moment, I'm going to share with you what you must do if you want to hear from God. Some people say to me, Oh, Pastor Ray, I'm not a preacher. God doesn't talk to me like he does you. Well, there's a reason why he doesn't talk to you. I'm going to share that and share how you can change that if you have the courage. And I pray you do because we are coming to the end. Russia is about to attack America. Why? Because America has been attacking Russia. Ukraine is not a nation we have a a treaty with. They are not a part of NATO. There, There is no strategic interest that America has in Ukraine. And yet our government is pouring billions of dollars that we don't have into Ukraine because they want a war with Russia. Well, they're going to get one. And Russia will one day burn America. This nation will be destroyed. Listen to this. Their houses will be turned over to others, together with their fields and their wives, when I stretch out my hand against those who live in the land, declares the Lord. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They don't even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I pointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Here, O earth, I am bringing disaster on this people. 
the fruit of their schemes because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my laws. Now I want to come back and speak to you very directly about how to choose the ancient path and how to stand at the crossroads and how to position yourself with God in such a way that he will speak with you, that he will direct your steps. I can tell you now, if you are not directed by God, by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus, as we come to the end of the world, you will suffer complete and total loss and you will be cast into hell. I'm going to read a a brief portion from the book, Reese Howell, The Intercessor. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. This is Reese Howell's The Intercessor by Norman Grubb. One night, when Reese Howells and his friends were returning from the village, they passed a group of women who never came to the meetings. They could tell by their voices that they'd been drinking. One of the party exclaimed, Where is the power to change these people? It was a challenge, and Reese Howells took it. There and then the Spirit gave it to him that he was to pick out the ringleader of those women who was a notorious character and a confirmed drunkard and pray her into the kingdom by Christmas Day. This was something new. He had seen many drunkards converted, but the Lord had worked through his personal contacts with them. In this case, however... He had no connection with the woman, and the Lord told him that he was to use no personal influence, but to reach her by way of the throne. It would be a real test of strength. Could the Holy Spirit, through him, use the power of the atonement to break the devil's dominion in her life and fulfill the Savior's word in Matthew twelve twenty nine about binding the strong man and stealing his goods. He saw that if he could get this one visible proof of the devil's defeat, the Holy Spirit could apply the victory through him on a large scale. To do this, the Spirit gave him John Fifteen seven. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. I urge you to carefully read and pray over John, the 15th chapter. This is the Gospel of John. It would all depend on his abiding or remaining. Your relationship with Jesus Christ as we come to the end of this world, your salvation is going to depend upon your abiding or remaining or resting in Jesus Christ. This is not philosophical. It is very, very practical. Let me explain. As this abiding was to take such a central place in the future life of intercession, it is important to see that the Holy Spirit taught Mr. Howells about it. This key text, John 15, 7, makes it plain that the promise is unlimited, but its fulfillment depends on the abiding. That is why in all such cases of intercession... Mr. Howells constantly spoke of guarding his place of abiding. The scriptural key to abiding is in 1 John 2.6. He that saith he abideth in him ought him also to walk even as he walked. In other words, it meant being willing for the Holy Spirit to live through him the life of the Savior that he would have lived if he'd been in his place. Please understand me. Everything of this world has to go. 
the entertainment of this world has to be dropped like a hot potato. I remember many years ago, I was speaking with the Lord and he was speaking with me audibly as I'm speaking to you. He confronted me. We spoke about it. And then he turned to leave. I had just entered into a covenant with God that I would only receive from the hand of the Lord whatever he would choose to give me. I would not ask any man for anything for me. As he was walking away, I could hear in the spirit with my physical ears, Jesus was walking away. And I said, is that all? Because I didn't want him to leave. He turned to me and he said, turn your television off. Well, that was a blow to me, a bitter blow. Because I would spend all day praying and reading the scriptures and waiting on God for deliverance. And then I would go and spend the evening watching television. It was my drug of choice. The Lord said, turn it off. Well, I had just purchased for over $1,000 a beautiful, brand new, large screen television. Finally came to a point as I turned it off and it sat in my living room the Lord finally said to me get rid of that television throw it away and in obedience to the Holy Spirit I carried it out and I put it in the garbage and it was finished and I don't have a television in my home today I obeyed the command of the Lord The scriptural key to abiding or remaining or resting in Jesus is found in 1 John 2.6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. In other words, it meant being willing for the Holy Spirit to live through him the life the Savior would have lived if he had been in his place. Remember the scripture said we are to walk as Jesus walked. The way Mr. Howells maintained this abiding was by spending a set time of waiting upon God every day during the period in which the intercession lasted. I need to tell you that he was in his 20s, a young man working in a coal mine at the face with his pickaxe the hardest work of the coal mine. Twelve hours a day. This waiting upon God, this abiding, is in addition to the day's heavy labor. The Holy Spirit would speak to him through the word, revealing any standard that he was to come up to, particularly in the laws of the kingdom, the Sermon on the Mount. Any command the Spirit gave him, he must fulfill because the way of abiding is the keeping of the commandment. John fifteen ten. The Spirit would also search his heart and throw light on his daily life, revealing any motives or actions that needed confession and cleansing by the blood. But the Spirit's dealings were not so much with outward shortcomings as with the self-nature out of which they sprang. Any transgression was necessary to never be repeated, but specific obedience on that point would be called for until radical inward change was effected. He was purified in obeying the truth through the Spirit. 1 Peter The first chapter, verse 22. He could never come into God's presence unless he had obeyed all that had been given to him on the previous day. The necessity for abiding 
is seen in that same chapter, John 15. The life in the vine, as the branch remains united to it by abiding in it, that life of the vine produces the fruit through the branch. In other words, the power is in Christ Jesus. As the intercessor remains united to him by abiding in him, his power operates through the intercessor and accomplishes what needs to be done. As Mr. Howells would continue in this place of abiding day by day, he would be increasingly conscious that the spirit was engaging the enemy in battle and overcoming him until finally he would become fully assured of the victory. I want to stop a moment, please. The Bible commands us to abide in Christ, to remain in him. That is not some philosophical statement. It's in concrete ways that we do this. For me, And I'm not telling you what you must do. I'm telling you what the Spirit of God has told me that I must do. I must have daily time in the Scriptures. That is a place of abiding. I must have time in prayer, honest, confessional prayer, listening to the Holy Spirit as He confronts me with anything that needs to be released or changed. The Holy Spirit comes, and he gives to me specific instructions as I read the word. Reese Howells read the Sermon on the Mount daily, on his knees, hands lifted up in the air. That was his place of abiding. And as he would obey the Holy Spirit... In the specific actions called for by the Holy Spirit. Now, please, I want to make a distinction between standard Christian disciplines, scripture, prayer, fasting, giving to the poor. Those are just basic Christian disciplines. They should be, and of course I'm doing that. But then in addition to that, There are specific things that the Holy Spirit requires that we begin to do and operate in. It changes the way we use our money. It changes the way we look at time. It changes the way we look at people. Our whole heart has come to be given into the presence of God. There is no part of us that is held back. We have no plans, but the plans that Jesus outlines for us. We receive nothing from anyone's hand except that which Jesus would give to us. Now, he may give to you through a job. He may give to you through Social Security. He may give to you through friends. He may give to you in a whole number of ways, but you must recognize that it is straight from the hand of God and must be used in accord with the will of God, not for your own fleshly pleasures. The place of abiding, please hear me, the place of abiding in John 15 is a very specific contractual agreement between you and God between you and Jesus, that you are going to lay your life down for him and you are going to stand on the promise of God that he will do what you ask him to do. Now this intercession may take a day, but usually much longer usually a month, six months, a year. Right now, I'm in an abiding place with the Lord for revival to come here in Washington, D.C. and in America. It is dramatically limiting my personal life to a life of prayer and fasting 
a life of reading the word of God and of crying out to him. I can't make revival happen. I can't go start revival. It is in the act of submission to the Lord that revival will come. You may need to enter into an intercession for your financial situation where the Lord begins to work with you in finances and say, what do you want me to do, Lord, with the money you give me? Now, certainly a Christian discipline is to fast. I'm not going to argue with that with you about that. Just I know that is true. And if you need me to teach on that, I'll be happy to do so. But fasting, praying, reading the scriptures daily, and tithing what the Lord gives you is a basic part of the Christian discipline. Now, in the New Covenant, he doesn't ask for 10%. That's only a minimum. Look carefully at Malachi. In some ways, the last part of Malachi should be connected as a part of the New Covenant, for it describes what Jesus is doing in these last days, the days of Elijah. I want you to hear that you must make very real covenant decisions in your prayer closet between you and the Lord Jesus. And then you act on those covenants where you are crucified with Christ. Where you open your heart and you allow him to totally direct your steps Now, you understand, we are at the end of the world. The four horses of the apocalypse are being released. We are under the third horse now, I believe. It's time. Jesus could come at any moment. We are facing the destruction of this world. We are facing... The end of this world. And you need to be crying out for family members, for loved ones. You need to be crying out for the lost and the dying. You need to have compassion in your heart for the poor. You need to take very specific action in the prayer closet. Asking the Lord to move in power. Now I'm going to continue reading. There are degrees and stages in abiding. The deeper the oneness, the more the power of the risen life of Christ can operate through the channel. And new positions of spiritual authority be gained. Reese Howell's abiding was always according to the light given up to that time. In that sense, abiding is a particular period, and it could be called perfect. And the victory claimed, although there would still be further ways in which he was to come before the Lord and become more like the Savior. During the first week of the abiding, the Lord spoke to him nightly on many things. He began to deal with my nature, he said, and show me things I never dreamed were there, getting deep down into my motives. It was a daily dying. Over and over again, I thought, is it possible to retreat? But with obedience comes cleansing, until by the second week, he said, I had become more used to my position and could see the Holy Spirit binding the devil. I soon realized I was not fighting against flesh and blood, but against wicked spirits in heavenly places. Now I want to stop again. Do you understand? These are specific actions that you take that allow the Holy Spirit to begin to get a hold of you 
to give you specific direction on what he wants you to do. It may be just an impression in your mind. It may be a conviction as you read portions of scripture. But as you hear, act on that and cast aside the things that Jesus asks you to cast aside. The weeks that followed, as he gave prompt obedience to the Holy Spirit in all things, were times of wonderful fellowship until by the end of the sixth week, the Spirit told him the abiding was complete and the victory was assured. I was abiding now without being called to abide, walking in the position, and the Lord told me that I could now expect to see this woman make a move. That very night, with a thrill in his soul, re-saw her in the open-air meeting for the first time, and he told the devil, Now I know that the Holy Spirit is stronger than you. You've been brought to naught on Calvary. Now I want to remind you again, Reese Howells is a young man in his late 20s, He works at the face of the coal mine 12 hours a day and then every night goes to an evangelistic meeting. He does not sit down in his easy chair and watch the television or play a video game. We must become real with Jesus and Jesus must become real to us. He took no steps to influence the woman in any way, but soon she began to come to the cottage meetings. A great number of people became onlookers as they had heard of the prayer. It was now a cause of praising before the victory, and in the remaining weeks before Christmas, the Holy Spirit did not allow him to pray for her. It was a conflict With not praying, he said, as the adversary pressed on us the need of prayer, but it would have been a prayer of doubt. During that time, there were no outward signs of repentance in the woman. I want to clear up a notion that some false preachers have given, and that is that you pray one time and then you don't pray again, because that would show lack of faith. That's a lie. It's a deception. We pray. We take a position of waiting before God. We obey the Holy Spirit in our place of abiding. We continually praying without ceasing until finally the Holy Spirit himself tells us the victory is won. Now we stop praying and we begin praising. Christmas morning came and the word he had was go up and possess it. I had a chance of experiencing what men like Moses went through in telling a thing beforehand. He said, not a single doubt came to my mind that day and how strong I was. I was praising the Lord all day. I would not look at my Christmas cards or presents for this was my Christmas gift. When the time for the meeting came, the woman was there, but a lot of people had brought their children. There was plenty of noise and in no sense the kind of atmosphere which would influence a person to repent. But in the middle of the meeting, down she went on her knees and cried to God for mercy. It was a victory beyond value, and she is standing yet today. I want to tell you, some of you need to go down on your face before God and repent of your hardness of heart. The world is about to end. We are going to see the destruction of this nation. The finances are going to be continuing to collapse A one-world government is going to step in. That's what the prophecies say. There will be a one-world currency. That's what the prophecies say. There will be a mark absolutely required. It's called the mark of the beast. And you will not be able to buy or sell if you do not abide by the beast power. 
you need to be able to go into the presence of God and gain there a place of abiding, to gain there a place of absolute trust in Jesus Christ. And as you take the concrete steps of entering into covenant with God, that you will spend that time in prayer in the reading of scripture, that you will turn off your television, that you will give up the world's wickedness, that you will stop the pursuit of money and the lusting after the things of this world, and you will wait upon the Lord, and you will ask him to please speak with you about what decision you're to make regarding your family the sale of your house, the change of a job, what to do with your children who are now grown but in full rebellion. I talk with parents. They say their their children have become homosexuals. They've become bisexual. The girls have become boys, and the boys have become girls. Every kind of wicked, demonic spirit has entered into America, and it is Main Street in America. The only way you're going to be able to stand is not in your same old, same old religion, institutionalized church. It's just not good enough today. It has no power. The pastors are preaching lies and telling you, you're saved. You're good to go, even though you continue walking in disobedience to the Lord. Your mind is on your money and on your entertainment and on your pleasures. And the world is ending. And you're about to be swept away. You're going to have to change that if you want God to speak to you. I'm being straight up. I am no one special before God. I am simply a man who was a great sinner before God, who has humbled his heart before Almighty God, confessed his sin, been forgiven of his sin, and now hold positions of intercession and hold to the disciplines not just of the Christian church, but of the specific things the Holy Spirit asks me to do. I am waiting upon the Lord for revival in America. I'm not the first, and I won't be the last, to cry out to God and ask Him to change what's happening in this nation, for I love America. But I hate the wickedness of our culture today. I hate the wickedness of our of our leaders. I hate the lies. It won't change until we take positions of intercession and we begin to cry out to the Lord and ask him to change what's happening. I hope this has been helpful to you. I urge you to read John, the 15th chapter. I urge you to read 1 John, the whole book, but especially the 3rd and 5th chapters. I'm going to be speaking this week in a very straightforward manner from the book of Jeremiah and back into the book of Gospel of John. We've got to get right with Jesus. We've got to turn aside from the casualness, from from the hardness of heart, from the arrogance before God, He will hear you. He will answer you. But you're going to have to enter into a covenant agreement with God. The Lord cares for me. 
He takes care of me. He moves in providing the resources for this radio broadcast, for the parsonage rent, for the church. Why? Because I entered into a covenant agreement with him that I would only receive from his hands what he chose to give me. And then I continued making agreements with God about my life. Do you have any concrete, real agreements with God about your life? Or do you just live your life as you choose, drifting along, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Is that how you walk? If so, you're about to be swept away in the destruction of this world. And when you cry out to God and you ask him for something, he will not answer you. Because you have no covenant agreement with him. It really means losing our pride and our arrogance and our hardness of heart. It means turning to the Lord. I pray today your ears are not closed. I pray that you could hear what I have said. I'd love to hear your comments in the chat. I'd love to hear how you've responded to what has been said. I pray that your life is given utterly to the Lord Jesus. This is not a game. This is for keeps. This is for eternity versus hell. Oh, Lord. I urge, Lord, in your name that every man and every woman listening to this broadcast would stand at the crossroads and they would look carefully and they would ask for that ancient path. That they would look for the good way and they would choose to walk in it and that you would bring rest to their souls. That they would not rebel and say, we will not walk in it, Pastor. Lord, I pray they will listen to the sound of this watchman on the wall. That they would listen to the trumpet of God. That they would not say, we will not listen. We will do what we want. Lord, please come. I stand by faith you will bring revival in this nation. That you will turn the hearts of your people back from the wickedness of the church today and of the culture today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Make a choice now. Enter into covenant with Jesus that you will belong to him and then that you will take positions of intercession and you will allow the Holy Spirit to go to the depths of your heart and change you into the likeness of Jesus. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.